Hello and welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizard on the Twitters. I'm Ben Travers, Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday as you're listening to this. Happy Friday as we're recording this. It's a nice, lazy summer Friday. One that is so incredibly busy for us that we actually have to... This is going to probably be a shorter podcast than usual, folks. Sorry about that. Um, but we feel the need to get together anyway, despite having limited time, to talk to you about... Well, I guess not the most important television of the weekend. I don't even know what the most important television of the weekend is at this point. Sharp objects. Sharp objects. People are also pretty into whatsoever, whatever's going on with the affair. I mean, the affair fans are into what's going on at the affair. I, In terms of wide-ranging importance, Liz. Yeah. Amy Adams! <laughs> you, you just... All that just happened there, gentle listener, was Ben yelled Amy Adams and then pointed at me. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I mean I've only written like 10,000 words about this show well, you've, yeah. you've written about 10,000 words about the show at this point too exactly Amy Adams that's why it's, it's important we're covering it because yeah. it's important it's the show it is a good show two more weeks <laughs> yeah it's one, gonna, one more week as you're listening to this yeah it's gonna be interesting I'm uh, to see how people uh, react to the finale like especially because they've been so firm about the fact that there will be no season two um, but actually, the one show that Ben has been digging into thoroughly right now, and then I've, I've also sampled a little bit of, is a little program called Disenchantment, um, which just premiered on Netflix, and in theory should be a really exciting thing for anyone who's a big fan of The Simpsons or Futurama or, okay, end of list of Matt Groening's other animated series. Yeah. It's actually kind of always shocking to remember how, like, few animated shows Matt Groening's made. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's because it's because the one's been around for so long uh, that it's, you know, in our age of, of, of limitless, unceasing content and the demands put upon anybody who's creative at all, anybody who's successfully creative at all to create more and more, it's rare to... to see such a wildly successful project not be replicated like 15 times over um so yeah i mean you could probably make the argument that in you know maybe maybe people kind of feel like family guy and like the seth MacFarlane animated universe is you know akin enough to the whole thing where like all all fox animation gets lumped under the same umbrella so thus we always think of like it, it feels like Matt Groening's made more shows than he has. Well, it's that he's inspired so many shows. Yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like, he's everything, as South Park pointed out, can be traced back to The Simpsons um, in, in that realm. So uh, it, it definitely feels like his cultural impact is, you know, uh, as large as many who've done many more uh, things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, yeah, this, this, this show, his, you know, it's his first into Netflix. Uh, it's his first foray into streaming. It's his first, um, I don't know, it's his first trip into the past, really, which is kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, the reviews have been pretty mixed so far. Um, mine will be, is, as you're listening to this, mixed as well. Um, there's a lot to be disappointed about uh, with the first season. There's a lot within it that's kind of frustrating or just overly familiar. Um, People who are more familiar with Futurama than I am have made cases uh, that it's it's 
too much of a carbon copy. Um, but I will say this. I will say that the ending of the season, and oddly enough, the three episodes that, they, that Netflix did not give us before it was released, so the three episodes that all of the other reviews that are out there before the show came out are based on, uh, those three are good. Like, those three, he literally turns over the switch and it becomes a very serialized story. Um, it becomes something where you're given very important information either to get you to invest in that episode or to get you to invest in the characters that had not been there before. Um, and it's just kind of, it's just kind of sudden in a way that's surprising. That's kind of what my review is based about. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's never something where I'm comfortable being like, oh yeah, the ending's good. So just sit through seven episodes that are kind of. It lousy. only takes seven episodes to get really good, you guys. Yeah, and that's the that's literally the worst argument you can make about television these days. Like no, like if you find yourself saying something like that, it's like yeah, the first two seasons are bad, and then the third season's great. It's like shut, shut your face. Yeah, it, it doesn't. That's the only too the only, late. The only acceptable time to say that is when you're encouraging people to watch Parks and Recreation, and you can tell them to skip the first season, and it works pretty well. And even then, I'd probably tell you to shut your face. Like, I, I, the first season, while not as good as the other seasons, is still a good season of television. I mean, my argument is you watch, you skip season one, you watch season two, you fall in love with the show, and then you go back and watch season one. Yeah, if, however you want to do it is, is fine. Yeah. But, but yeah, the, the point being, um, while plenty of shows, you know, find, need time to find their voice, the amount of time that people are willing to give them these days, especially Netflix shows, is incredibly frustrating to me. So I try not to encourage the idea that it's okay if you make like a season or half a season that's just kind of shitty as long as you get parts of it right. Um, but what's interesting about uh, Disenchantment is that it doesn't feel, it's not bloated, it's 10 episodes. Um, the first episode's over 30 minutes, the rest are under 30 minutes. So he's not trying to just make something really long for the sake of making something long. It did kind of, and it's weird to think about something like this where I think he would have been able to do whatever he wanted on whatever timeline he wanted and tell whatever story he wanted, you know, as soon as he met with Netflix and decided he wanted to make something new. Um, but it does, it just feels like he's kind of figuring it out. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that there's enough at the end of the season to be like, oh yeah, season two is going to be phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But there's enough there where I think if you like these other shows, you'll be rewarded for invent, like already deciding to invest in this season. Yeah. I mean, I watched, I, I confess I've only seen the first episode and actually one of my questions for you was going to be how serialized does it feel? Because the way episode one ends, it seemed like an indication that this is going to be pretty, like, one episode connects to the next. Like, yeah, it's, it's not, not, it's not, it, it, that is, that is, I mean, but is it like a hard reset in those early episodes, like on The Simpsons? No, 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 it's, and that's kind of the weird thing about it, too, like, um, even though this is something where it's set in the past, like in this fantasy realm where it would almost be more acceptable to just kind of keep going and keep everybody the same. There is enough serialization at the end of it where you feel like things are going to advance. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, you've got The Simpsons, which is something that stays very relevant to pop culture, makes a lot of pop culture jokes, uh, you know, and yet 
every year that passes by, Maggie is still a toddler, Bart is still in the same grade, like, none of that changes. Um, but no, like, it's it's not a hard reset every episode, it's just that they don't add up to a lot until the last three. Like, they don't... You could probably watch the first one, skip to the seventh one, and pick up what's going on pretty easily. Like, you wouldn't have missed out on anything. Do you want um, me to try that for you? If you want to. I don't yeah. I mean, uh-huh. whatever your timetable allows. Um, it's more time I could spend watching MTV's Are You the, Are you the One? That's something but i mean you know if you're getting enjoyment out of a show that i don't want to detract from that either and it's it it, it's it's the same thing that we've had trouble with in the past like we're critics we watch a lot of television uh for work so like the discussions that we have are interesting to us because it's almost like well we're watching it no matter what anyway and this is something where i still feel like most people should should have heard like oh it's not great i'll watch something else because there's so much great tv on right watch casual uh (laughs) but also because it's on netflix and people just seem to keep watching stuff on netflix and because it is matt's next show and people should you know respect this auteur and watch his next show it will be watched so discussion about it is warranted long way of justifying this is where we're at um and and yeah it's it's weird it's weird in that it feels like some parts of it are serialized enough where you're like okay i can see a progression here but so much of it feels like very standalone simpsons-esque futurama-esque kind of storytelling um because it's comfortable to Mm. make that like it feels comfortable for them to make it and then i think they realized oh we wanted to do this in season one or we wanted to get us to this place so we're ready for season two we better kick that shit into gear and they do it they do it all in like the last three and uh yeah that's fine like it can definitely be a a show that kind of you know what liz this is gonna piss you off i'm so sorry oh boy it kind of reminds me and i I should have better examples of this and there's a million examples of this oh no um that are far better programming. But it kind of reminds me of the Orville. Oh my God, I'm going to throw my shoe at you. <laughs> Justin, and, and I don't mean in qualitative terms, and I don't mean in tone, and I don't mean in like it's pathetic, you know, horrible ripoff of anything like that. I, I don't even mean that it is a ripoff of his old work as, you know, uh, McFarlane is clearly ripping off something else. I just mean that there's elements in it where it's like, oh yeah, that was something that happened from back here. Eh, I get it. Like that, you you'd pick. It's up. the familiar. It's the comfort of the familiar. Yeah, and and it's not necessary to watch all of them, but it kind of helps if you like that sort of thing. Um, yeah. No, I I see what you're saying. Um, there's so many other examples. I don't know why the Orville is what just sparked into my head. No, but I feel like I feel like the or- I I hear what you're saying though. I feel like if if you know. Based on what I've seen, I, I don't disagree with that. Because like, I was thinking, I was enjoying what I was watching, even though, oh my god, the pacing on that episode is terrible. Like, it just kills half the jokes, I think. Yeah, and I'm that's sure, something... Like, it gets better? Well, it's also something that's that's just better because, like, that first episode's like 36 minutes yeah. or something. And the other ones aren't. Yeah. So that's that becomes more tolerable. But it they're also not better. trying to do as much... Uh, as they have to, or they feel like they have to, I guess, maybe in the pilot. So, I don't know. But yeah, like, the Orville sets up this cliffhanger like a lot of kind of episodic shows do, you know, in, in its in its finale, because that's just where they are. And this is like, this is like they extended that to two or three episodes okay. instead of just doing it all in the last one. So, like, there's, there's a conscious effort 
to acknowledge a serialized story within Disenchantment, and yet the whole thing isn't set up that way, and I don't feel like future seasons will be as serialized as something like The Good Place, you know, where that Mm -hmm. just is a half-hour comedy that just keeps going and you need to keep up with it, and yeah. Interesting. I I have a question for you, which is, how Game of Thrones-y do you feel like it is? You know, um, not much. I, I, it's obviously not a show that's prevalent in my mind uh, for many reasons, but uh, there's a thing that happens in the finale that to me was like, oh, this is from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Like they, uh, they don't reference it. And if they would have, I would have had more respect for it because it's like, then you're kind of knowingly bringing in mm-hmm. the point And instead it's just kind of like, oh, this feels exactly like that. Um, and if they would have referenced it, they could have had more fun with it too, which is the another fault of the series. Like it just feels like they need an inkling more ambition in terms of what they want to do with mm-hmm. the imagine with, with with the imaginary uh, part of the world, like with what they can con- concoct uh, to either uh, have some fun with these characters in this world they're building, or to you know reference things that obviously this group of people pays attention to. Uh, but no, it's it's not it's not very Game of Thronesy. Okay, um, it's yeah, it's interesting. Like I'm trying to think, I'm thinking back. Like I mean, the, any, the Simpsons never shied away from doing very explicit pop culture riffing. And I said it in the past tense, but because in my head, honestly, the Simpsons mostly lives in the past tense. But you know, it does still do a lot of pop culture riffing. Um, oh yeah, and they poke they poke at uh, like Family Guy too. Oh, yeah. Like they'll poke at the stuff that people think is the new version of it so they stay very current but there is kind of an aspect to uh there is an aspect to the fact that when a show is living on netflix like you kind of almost wanted to have a timely timeless quality to it like you if they did make if they did go out of their way to reference an explicit plot point on game of thrones i feel like it might be funny in the moment but might play weird down the line yeah and at the same time it wouldn't it wouldn't so many other shows do that so well that it's not really a problem like i mean bojack has a ton of pop culture references and some obscure stuff that works really really well archer is another one that works really really well and it doesn't it's not a netflix show but it 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 certainly got some life from netflix well i think uh, but, but i think archer though uh, i think adam reed has been kind of explicit like kind of explicit about how the bulk of the pop culture references are from like before 1995 because that's when he stopped watching television, so it's all. That's why so it's so seventies and eighties and the early nineties heavy. But see, then it's but that's then it's just all relative. Because yeah. like the idea of of what is timeless uh, in and what isn't. Like you'd think something like a Taxi Driver or a Glenn Gary Glenn Ross reference uh, from Barry would be something that everybody gets, and it's not. People are very confused by it, and uh, people the are stuff confused that, by Glenn Gary. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, people did not get that joke, um, according to Bill Hader. But the same thing applies to this. Like, Game of Thrones is something that, you know, it's the most watched TV show right now. Like, it's the most popular thing out there. And um, if anything's going to reach a timeless status, it would be that. And, you know, a lot of shows are, are, are... much more willing to reference much more obscure 
crazy pop culture things. And I'm, again, this isn't saying that Disenchantment needs to do that. I think it, it's trying to establish its own voice and be its own thing instead of just riffing off of other stuff. Um, they definitely have nods to kind of movements that have taken place or um, what people are discussing right now. Like there's some gender identity stuff. There's some... Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, attention to the fact that you know the lead is a woman uh, is Princess Bean voiced by Abby Jacobson Ooh. and women didn't have it easy in medieval times and still don't have it easy now so correct um, so that there's there's conscious nods to that but less so to pop culture stuff and I, I don't know if they need it but they there's moments where you think it's reminding you of something but they're not going to acknowledge it and that feels weird feels more like they just saw something and copied it instead of whether that's matt's own stuff or it's other things that exist out there yeah um um yeah i think it speaks to the difference between a reference and a an actual satire which is a reference is just pointing at a thing saying hey it's like this thing but it's this thing and then you know actual actual satire take goes beyond that and examines like the tropes behind it yeah, I mean this is neither, but um, but you know, The Simpsons at its best was great satire. Family Guy's at its worst is often just referential. Um, <laughs> fucking Orville is definitely just referential, not <laughs> not, not satire of any kind. Um, yeah, and it's something we've discussed before on the podcast, especially last week when we were going into insatiable territory and whether or not that could qualify as satire, but. Um, yeah, no, I, I think with, with Disenchantment, he wants to build his own universe, and only at the end of it does he start to really discover the potential within that. Um, hmm. So, we'll see what happens in season two. Yeah, and because at this point, it's pretty safe to conclude there will be a season two. Yeah, I'd be surprised. It would have to be a pretty big bob, and I don't expect that to happen. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I look forward to watching a little more. Maybe I will skip to the last three episodes just to see what happens. Um, in the meantime, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week besides um, enchantment, Disenchantment? Honestly, the best thing I watched is, is still Sharp Objects. Um, I mean, there's been other shows that were a little disappointing that I don't need to bring up. So um, focusing on the best stuff that's out there, it, it really is... I mean, it's a show that's that's so rewarding, kind of no matter how you approach it, um, because there's a bunch of little Easter eggs you can find, like within the visuals, within the audio cues, within the editing, within uh, within a lot of, of what goes into that show. So there's a lot to formally appreciate about it if you just want to kind of take a step back from the story. And then if you do want to engage in the mystery of it, you know, as we've talked about before, that's there, and it's fun, and, and kind of dissecting how... Jean-Marc Vallée, how Marty Noxon, how Gillian Flynn, Gillian Flynn? I think it's Gillian. Gillian Flynn uh, tells, Gillian. tells you what to look for and then tries to distract you from looking at it. That's really interesting. Um, so I, I hope, you know, I, I think it'll be something that, especially because it's been marketed as a murder mystery, um, and it is a murder mystery kind of, uh, I think it's something that a lot of people will catch up on when it's over, which means a lot of people will binge it or watch it 
quickly and just enjoy it that way and it works that'll work you will you will enjoy that experience you'll be like oh yeah sharp objects was great and at the same time it is it's been incredibly rewarding writing about it weekly because there's so much to talk about mm-hmm. um, within the minutiae to the big picture stuff. So one more shout out. We'll probably talk about the finale, you know, even in passing at some point. So um, I think yeah. probably I think probably our whole next episode should be about the finale. Yeah, we'll see. But um, yeah, so that was the best thing I watched. Liz, what was the best thing you watched last week? Well, I'm going to, speaking of shows we're covering weekly, Better Call Saul remains a lovely little treat. Um, quick shout out to uh, also the show Wrecked. I think I'm not under embargo for it. Um, and it's all- out. What? It's out. Yeah, I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> no embargo. No it's, embargo. People can see it. People can, can see it. Say whatever you want. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, yep. Uh, Wrecked has been really fun this season. And uh, it, you know, it's just, it is a show that is like at least 33% smarter than it needs to be and really will devote entire, it, it, it has such, it has such really ridiculously high stakes. I mean, it's a little, it, these are all, every, every episode is essentially a life or death situation and they find a way to be funny about it while also not detracting from the real tension. Um, this is an episode, this is a show which will devote an entire episode to just a bunch of characters in a cage fighting over what their last meal should be. Um, and it's 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 very charming in that way. Um, ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Um, the next thing I'm looking forward to is Jack Ryan, um, which we won't be under embargo for whenever this episode publishes uh, because the embargo is up on Monday. Um, so I'll be watching it this weekend. Haven't seen any of it yet. Um, I love Carlton Cuse. He's made a lot of excellent television over the last god like 20 years or so um i am a fan of of john krasinski kind of no matter what he wants to do like he seems to find interesting things to talk about as well as interesting characters to dig into and i do just i love i love the casting like jack ryan somebody who was an analyst um the idea that he's very quickly morphing into a like a beefy brawny action hero type in this show um just based on John Krasinski's workout routines and how much that's been flaunted. That's a little troublesome, but I know from what I've been told, the series is supposed to kind of sit with his inexperience in the field for a while. Um, And if it does that over the course of the first season, that's great because reflecting that uh, throughout is important. Uh, because that's who Jack Ryan has always been from the books to the uh, Ford movies. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to see what Amazon does with it. It's eight episodes. They already renewed it for season two. Um, there's uh, hopefully some good stuff hidden in there. Yeah. Um, so. I'm looking forward to it. Liz, what else are you looking forward to, though? Um, I'm looking forward to – I'm going to try to watch uh, some of Netflix's The Innocence at some point. This is their new upcoming Supernatural uh, t- kind of YA-ish uh, narrative um, should be fun. I, I I like Guy Pierce. I like I like accents. I like shapeshifters. There's all of that and more in the show allegedly. So we're gonna look forward to checking that out. And Guy you'll be Pier- able to read out about it and more on IndieWire.com, where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. And make sure to listen to IndieWire's other wonderful podcasts, including 
Michael Schneider's podcast, whose name I don't know now. It's still, I still, it's still turn it on for right now. For now, it is turn it on. Changes may be afoot. Um, <laughs> make sure to listen to that. His latest episode has David Harbour of Stranger Things fame, and he talks about the X Files. I did not have anything to do with that. Uh, which is fun. Uh, and then, of course, we've got the Screen Talk podcast with Eric Conan and Thompson. Uh, you know, TIFF is right around the corner, which means festival season and Oscar season is upon us. So even though the Emmys haven't even happened yet and voting is still going on, it's, it is time to start thinking about Oscars, so make sure you listen to that. And then, I mean, guys, just do yourself a favor and get on the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast with Chris O'Fault because, I mean, he's just the best. He is. And, uh, you know, Ben, you're pretty good, too, and you can be found on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And, Liz, if Chris wasn't the best, you'd be the best. I'm second best? Well, yeah. Okay. But that's really high. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not offended by this. I know, I know what the, uh, I know what, what, what kind of metrics we're talking about here. Yeah, it, like in terms of Twitter, it'd be Chris O'Fault, and then Liz, and then like forty rungs down the ladder, you've got somebody like uh, Pat Oswalt. So make sure you listen, or make sure you find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and then an E. Great. Uh, we will be back next week. Thank you guys so much for listening, and as always. Keep watching television.